0: Welcome to The Real Deal of Parenting Podcast with Abby Johnson and Regan Long. This show covers all things pertaining to motherhood with authenticity, insight, and a healthy dose of humor with topics from a Christian perspective, ranging from the everyday challenges of raising kids of all ages to high profile issues and current events facing families. There's something for everyone. We've got a great new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show.
1: Welcome everybody. I am so excited for this special episode. We have Dr. Jane Ruby with us this morning and she is a medical professional and a pharmaceutical drug development expert with over 20 years experience for drug approval with the FDA and the EMA. She is a published international health economist who has appeared on numerous TV and radio shows across America. Uh, Dr. Ruby has worked on human research studies to launch some of the most famous compounds in the world in depression, Alzheimer's and cardiac diseases. And she has been seen as a regular expert guest on one of the top podcasts in the world, The Stu Peters Show, is this woman boldly and brilliantly shares truth. So, Dr. Jane Ruby, welcome. I cannot tell you how excited we are to have you here.
2: Well, thank you so much. It's really great uh, that we could you know, get together today, and I'm honored to be on the show. So thanks.
1: Wonderful.
2: You know, so like I had told
1: you, we have millions of parents visiting us here at The Real Deal of Parenting. Every week. And, you know, here we are all about being bold and sharing the truth. And we cover the topics that are very tough to tackle. And you yourself being in an elite group of world renowned doctors, cardiologists, immunologists, biologists, current and former vaccine makers. Um, yet people are working triply hard to silence and censor you. Why why is that?
2: Well, there's something very dark happening um, in our country, in our world. Uh, I'm an analyst, you know, at heart. So I always try to think what's upstream, you know, what is at the very top, what's really, what has been so successful, if you will, at corralling every country, every leader almost, Every corporation. Um, it's something very dark. Uh, I do believe it has to do with money, power and control. And I think it's hard for people to wrap their heads around it because we've 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 been, you know, enjoying life as we, best we can. And we have done that with a little bit of faith that our, our you know, the authorities and our agencies and our organizations and institutions are protective. And it's become very difficult, even with bold faced you know, proof in front of you to, to really get people to see that those things have collapsed. And, and that, that's pretty much why um, a lot of us are being silenced. Um, There are a lot of tactics because the axis of evil, you know, includes the media now, right? Everywhere in the world, at least the, the traditional mainstream media. So that's what makes it successful.
1: Right. You know, one of the most alarming things to me about this, you know, I am, you know, we're for informed consent and medical freedom and every person being able to decide to do what's best for their body, right? Um, That being said, we have doctors from all around the globe reaching out to us saying that um, they have been fired or they have their first and final warning in their files for simply going over side effects of these vaccines with a patient, even one time they are, um, that is a big no, no. So doctors are not allowed to talk about ingredients or side effects of these vaccinations. And I just find that absolutely alarming.
2: Yeah. If this was about your health, do you really think there would be such stifling of speech on the part of, you know, physicians and other experts that care for patients? I mean, that alone should be a huge clue to everyone. Um, Although on the other hand, I've been very vocal about calling out doctors and nurses who remain in these systems, um, corporations, which most hospitals are, uh, wherever you are uh, and, and, you know, watching the horrors, uh, and not coming together sort of like as a secondary tier, uh, uh, mimicking like what America's frontline doctors did. Uh, anyone who stays in these systems, uh, anyone who does not step forward, uh, is really be, be- complicit and and we you know we we know that from the Nuremberg trials because a lot of the nazi soldiers said well i was just following orders um dr stella Emanuel, who's one of the founding uh, doctors from from america's frontline has said you want to protect your license in exchange for people's lives you're a murderer and that's 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 really what doctors and nurses who remain in these systems uh and are being fairly silent to protect themselves That that's really what the reality they're facing, and I've said to them, "You're going to lose your job anyway if you don't think they're going to take you out when they're done using you." So, it's very important that um, everybody get a grip. Everybody who's responsible, you know, we take oaths as doctors and nurses uh, not to cause any harm. To we have an obligation to report when things are wrong, and yet hospitals are very dangerous places right now. There, it's I. I highly recommend that you don't go to a hospital if you can avoid it, because there is a death protocol. If they diagnose you with the fake PCR test as having a COVID, you're going to be put into an isolated wing, if not the ICU. You're going to um, be—they're going to try to talk you into, even though you're alert and oriented, they're going to try to talk you into allowing them to sedate you and forcibly intubate you and put you on a a mechanical ventilation machine, which will uh, finish you off uh, very quickly. by the way. And so it sounds very like Terminator 3, um, like this dystopian, terrible, And it, but it is right now. It's just that there's a lot of veil in front of it. You know, people are still walking on the beach. People are still, some of them are still going to work. You know, for a lot of Americans, I'll just speak for our country, a lot of life is still seemingly very normal. This is dangerous because when people start to see these massive illnesses uh, emerge and death, from these repeated injections, uh, that you can see is coming. That's when it's going to be a little bit too late. So I know I sound a little bit like a shock jock, but that's, I'm in the thick of it every day. I'm talking to some of the world's best minds. I'm watching research come out of the, you know, of the peer review journal mill, you know, daily and what, and putting pieces together from what people are finding. So, um, you know, where do you start? I don't know. I guess we'll get into that, you know, in the show. I'll let you guide me on the show as to where you want to talk well, about it. But it's it's dire. It's dire. It, it really
1: is. And I know we only have you for 30 minutes due to your schedule. So there's just so many burning questions. But because you just brought up the PCR test, that's that's a common question people have. So as we see these new variants being released, right? So it's the, it was the Delta variant and now the next variant. Most hospitals, most offices don't even have the correct PCR tests to show the the different variant.
2: Is that is that correct? Yeah. Let me. Uh, first of all, I actually um, have had some f- freeing up in my schedule, so I think we could go at least the. F- 45 minutes, if not an hour. So I'll, I'll leave that up to you. But anyway, let me tease out some of what you just laid out. Cause I think it's really important. I want to, I want to go on the record like I always do of laying down some premises and I want the audience to really remember these because this, this is the foundation upon which I'm going to share, you know, and explain uh, according to these questions. So here's, here are the premises. This is not a vaccine. Uh, by any definition, I don't care how many times the WHO and the CDC play around with it, it does not confer any kind of immunity. In fact, it confers a sort of dangerous, twisted Um, modified immunity. And I'll get into that later because that's what an uh, antibody dependent enhancement is. Um, This issue of variant, um, I've been in pharma drug development for 20 years. I was uh, a medical practitioner in hospitals and ICUs for 10 years before that. Um, The word variant is kind of new. It's one of those new words like cases and all these other things that the government and these companies are getting away with. Viruses have been on the planet for billions of years, long before we got here. They burn down; they don't burn up, and they certainly don't do it in weeks. And another clue that should tell you that this is a sham and a very dangerous one is these variants, or what you know, they're mutations uh, that are fake, in my opinion. Um, they they are um, they're they're not diagnosable. Uh, The PCR test, we know from Dr. Kerry Mullis, who developed it, Nobel Peace uh, either nominee or winner, I can't recall, before he died in 2019, made it very clear for years leading up to it that the PCR, there's no PCR test that's the appropriate one. Okay, so that's another premise we have to lay out. The CDC itself, which is really a corrupted agency, it's a patent, a vaccine patent company for all you know, intents and purposes, they themselves came out about a month or so ago with a uh, a dictate to all the registered labs in the United States. They told them essentially to that the by the end of the year they had to find something else to use to test in their labs for PCR. Um, they essentially said the PCR was useless, which we had always been saying, and that it had no ability. And you can go find this on their website. And they had no ability to distinguish between influenza A and B or any kind of SARS-CoV viruses. Um, that's really important. But they also said that they could continue to use the existing PCR until the end of this year. That's like me saying to you as a car manufacturer, hey, Regan, your car is going to blow up. It's got a potential. We got a recall on it. But you can drive it till the end of the year. So don't worry. I mean, it's absurd on its face, right? No, absolutely. So so this is what's going on. So, so they're... When it comes to diagnosing, I've asked every expert I know, um, how, how, do, how are you diagnosing a variant, a variant, okay, a fake mutation, which, I, as I said, does not happen in weeks. And how did they know it was coming, right? But the answer I get is really varied. Um, oh, we're not sure. Oh, we do it by looking at clinical symptoms. There is no diagnostic tool that is able to tell you you have a variant. Of something that's never been isolated and purified out of a sick person, um, you know. So, so no one—that's what they mean when they say nothing's ever been isolated. Has there been a, a flu? Sure, there's been something. I think they they dropped a gain of function and they seeded it throughout the world in the United States last year. And they may have dropped something new, or my other explanation for the sort of some of the surgeons, uh, of of this COVID flu that we're seeing, um, mm-hmm. mostly happening in uh, people who have not had the natural disease, um, and 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 mostly in the in the what we call the vaccinated, right, the injected. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I th- I think they may have dropped something new, or it is the antibody dependent enhancement, which is something that is it's over priming. Um, ADE is overpriming of your immune system. Dr. Simone Gold talked about it a year ago. Uh when you um when you in, in instigate your system with this injection, these materials and I can get into that, you know, shortly as well. Um you you do get a resistance to it. Your body's not a potted plant. It tries to fight something that it knows is toxic uh and foreign. Um but but what what's, what's going to happen is as you take The next dose and you take a booster and by the way all you have to do is go to clinicaltrials.gov look up the the uh, protocol for for example for the Pfizer study since they're in the forefront and I can send you that NCT number that's a number that you just put in search and it'll bring up everything for you so you don't because it's a very complex a uh, repository of clinical human trials you have to register your trial there if you're studying humans and in that in that Pfizer protocol i mean i'll just read you the title for anybody who's familiar with pharmaceutical drug development we have phases so first you have preclinical preclinical is animals and it's supposed to go is they assess the safety and then they either give you permission or not to go forward into human trials. Now, the human trials are divided across four phases, phase one, two, three, and four. Let me give you a quick definition. Phase one is a tiny amount of people, maybe 10, 15 people. They're usually 100% healthy. They're usually 25-year-old males. Why? Because you want no confounding factors and you want to test safety. They get heavily remunerated compensated because they're taking a risk they know it it's informed consent mm-hmm. um, and then if, if if they either tease out and fix something in the formulation because they saw a safety signal or if everything looks generally okay they submit that data and the fda allows them to go into phase two phase two is divided into oh and by the way phase one is all of your drug testing your pharmacokinetics Big fancy word for what happens to the drug in your body. You might think, well, who cares? You should care. It it looks at how fast your body absorbs it. Where does it get distributed in your body? Where does it stay? How does your body get rid of it? Through your kidneys, your liver, your skin. Uh, what are drug drug interactions um, and those kinds of details that are really important? Okay, mm-hmm. and then from there you go into phase two, which splits into A and B, and essentially you're you're testing it in larger numbers of people, some of which either have the disease or the you want to see if you can prevent the disease that you're that you're doing with these injections. Phase three is your final; it's very large. This is the study that is supposed to develop data that is the right kind of data that will go to the FDA in anticipation for review of approval, right? And then phase four is what we call post-marketing surveillance. That's after you've gotten approval, you've launched your drug, and you have to continually feed back to the FDA safety once the drug is in the real world. Um, So that's how it should go. If you look at the Pfizer protocol, it's pro- I, and I can send this to you, protocol c four fifty nine one zero zero one. The title, this is what everybody's been living in since uh, a year ago, since this rollout. This is the way it's listed. Um, a phase one, two, three, which red flag right there, what do you mean you're doing all three phases at once? After what I just explained to you and your audience? No, it should be consecutive one at a time trials, and then you move on to the next. But they crammed everything together. Watch this. A phase one, two, three, placebo controlled, randomized observer blind. That means, I don't know who observer is. I don't know if that's your doctor, if that's the person that injects you. If it's I don't know. Um, observer blind. Blind means you don't know what the person is getting. You don't know the dose. You don't know which formulation. Uh, and if it's a multi-drug trial, you wouldn't know which drug you're getting. Mm -hmm. And it goes on. This is the title, Dose Finding Study. So you're guinea pigs. You've all been, people say, Dr. Jane, why do some people get sick and some people don't? Some people dropped out of a heart attack, but my aunt took it and it was six months ago and she's fine. Because you're in a dose finding study. Because some people are getting a tiny amount, which your body probably could manage, and other people are getting larger amounts, even big amounts, like, like maybe 60 micrograms. They range it from... From one to one or five micrograms up to 30, and then a big dose of 60. So so that's that is most likely the answer to that. And then the rest of the title is to evaluate the safety, tolerability, immunogenicity, which means creating protective Im, you know, immunology, which doesn't happen, and efficacy of the SARS-CoV-2 RNA vaccine against COVID-19 and healthy. Okay. So that's that's a problem because if you look at the approval that just came through, and trust me, I know everybody's getting all argumentative about it's, it's approved, it's not approved. Even my colleagues have different opinions. I'm the only one other than Dr. Michael Yeadon, who's the former VP of Science at Pfizer, who's very well known now. I'm the only other person that I know with 20 years of experience in this fight, in this forefront, um, doing these analyses with 20 years of experience in pharma drug development. So that's where I get the authority to speak on this. Um, And I can tell you that they totally changed, they're not even following their own protocol because when this drug got approved, and what I'm saying to you is it is approved. You now have a package insert. The package insert is that little piece of paper when you get an Advil bottle at the drugstore, and you take the bottle out and you throw that little piece of paper that's wrapped around, that's called the package insert. Um, That becomes a very important document in prescription drugs. Why? because that document every letter every number every punctuation mark has been hammered out between the pharma company and the and the FDA why because that becomes your marketization label that's your marketing label that's what the company is allowed to sell it for uh, and here's where it gets really important for you to understand the distinction you know how your doctors are all telling you when you go to them and say could i have a preventative dose for ivermectin just in case because you know something's going around or i haven't had the the real mm-hmm. flu illness yet and the doctor says oh i can't do that because it's not it's not fda approved for that well guess what all the stuff they're pushing on you like this, these injections The remdemsevir, those are not FDA approved. They're under emergency use authorization because their trials haven't concluded yet. And so it becomes very important to say back to the doctor, but ivermectin and HCQ are FDA approved for efficacy and safety, at least for safety. Right. So when the doctor says, well, I can't prescribe because it's not FDA approved and, you know, there's no safety. Oh, oh, yeah. There's a safety record because the FDA approved it 50 percent based on safety. right? Right. So here's where it gets tricky. The company can't market it for something other than what it was originally approved for, which probably was malaria. But a doctor or a nurse practitioner is legally allowed to prescribe it for what's called off the label. Right. You've heard of off label promotion. Right. Pharma companies can be fined. The drug can be pulled off. It's very serious, right? Uh, that's off-label promotion. It, it's it's something the DOJ used to take very seriously, but 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 any practitioner, in, if it's in their purview, in their expertise, feels and they don't have to defend it. They don't need a reason. They don't need ten studies. They just need to to in their expertise to to see a rationale. They can legally prescribe it. So your doctors are lying to you. And those doctors, I would. I would move away from, I've told people, find a new doctor, because that doctor is okay, think about it, with withholding life-saving treatment for you. You want to continue with that doctor? I don't. I don't. Yes, it's going to be hard to find uh, practitioners, nurse practitioners, doctors who are not in this cabal, who are not pushing this narrative. But what's your option? I mean, you want somebody who, when you get into the hospital, wipes his or her hands and allows you to to be subjected to what I call the the death protocol, uh, putting you in an ICU, uh, pushing you to get sedated, intubate you, force you on remdesivir, which we now know in real-world evidence, damages your kidneys permanently, and oftentimes shuts down your kidney function totally. And then they tell you because you're not jabbed, you have to get to the back of the line. You have to wait for your dialysis. So that's how people are dying. They're dying from... Uh, lung damage from forced air on these ventilators and they're dying from, from kidney failure. So I know that's a lot, but um, it's, it's all, it's it all on the internet. If you do the digging. And so I drop little seeds about where you can find things. And of course you can always look at Stu um, Red Voice Media and look at my, I'm not on every day. So it's not like you have to go through hundreds of interviews, but since March, there's a lot of great information to warn people, it's a very dangerous time right now.
1: Um, speaking and I don't know the answer to this. Speaking of the the package inserts, I know previously, until the the FDA approval, um, many doctors, many pharmacists were opening up those package inserts. And they were doing videos of showing this very long piece of paper that was just blank. Has that changed after no. this approval?
2: Yeah, and, and that's, that's a great lead-in because that's how I – it's one of the ways I know that there was an approval. Uh, the sleight of hand, before I get to the package insert, mm-hmm. is that they, they claim they approved a formulation with a brand name Comirnaty, uh, which, by the way, has the words, the letters mRNA in it, right? And companies do that quite a mm-hmm. bit. Um, but then they have this other formulation that they call pfizer Biontech. Covid nineteen vaccine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that they're, but but they they they. Here's the sleight of hand. They say uh, they're this, and this is their words. This is the FDA's language in their press release, and this is Pfizer's language in their press release. That and quote, they are the same formulation and they're interchangeable. Now, I want you to hold on to those thoughts, right? because mm-hmm. people say, oh, it wasn't approved, so they can't, it's, it's don't get involved in all that. They're going to force it anyway, whether it's approved or not. Right. Trust me, it's been approved from a from a drug development standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they shouldn't get away with is, oh, we can toggle between the two formulations, because they're the same, but we're going to get protection under the Comirnaty, because it's FDA approved. So that's where all this garbage is is happening. You, you no longer have Agencies of protection. I don't know if people have noticed, and I'm being a little sarcastic. You have no DOJ. You have no FBI. These agencies have been weaponized. They've collapsed as you formerly knew them. Your FDA is now a department at Pfizer. Okay. So beware, be, you know, be alerted to this. So let's get to the package insert. When something's under an emergency use authorization, my understanding is I don't agree with it but my understanding is that they don't have to divulge anything because it's still in trial. That should be a third red flag to you not to trip over yourselves to get this thing. Um, When it got approved and again, back to one of the other proofs to me that it was approved uh, is that there is now a package insert. I want to tell you about this package insert in a little more detail. It's important. Any of you can go to Pfizer's website or any pharmaceutical website that has an approved FDA-approved drug or entity, and you look for, it's either going to be called prescriber information or package insert. That's an interchangeable term. And it's a PDF on every company's website for a drug that's been approved. And that becomes a very important document to prescribers because it tells us who we shouldn't give it to, uh, who it's been studied in and who it has not been studied in. Um, what are the drug, drug considerations? So if I see certain classes of drugs that interacted badly with that drug, then I'm going to know if my patients are already on certain things, I may not be able to mix that, right? All of that is missing. And let me challenge your audience. Go to the website of say, let's say you have a, you know, your grandma's on a particular drug, something well known. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Prescription drug. Uh, and and download that package insert, and then download the one from Pfizer on Comirnaty. You don't have to be a scientist or a drug developer to do what I'm about to suggest. Just compare the categories. So where you see, you know, subcategories, right? You see pregnant women, lactating women, uh, people with kidney disease, people with liver disease most, you'll see a big difference. You'll see in your grandma's PI for a legitimate drug, you'll see lots of data from studies, you know, with numbers. And we had this percentage and that percentage. And, and then, and then, but on the Comirnaty, insufficient data to establish safety and efficacy. Lactating, insufficient data, but yet they're pushing it on everybody. And there's a section in the package insert that's called contraindications that tells me as a prescriber who not to give it to. They've had all these deaths and all these diseases, children dying of heart attacks that are previously healthy. And they've had, they put out a warning uh, on myocarditis in young people in, in their early teens and twenties. And that comes up as a warning on the front page of that package insert but it's not a contraindication that is absolutely criminal right and here's another thing that was very um, that was that was wrong and to me makes the approval and the persistent rollout of this um, criminal on the front page of that package insert when you download it In the upper left-hand corner, it says the indication. Now, I'm going to educate you, empower you is a better word, to what the indication means. When you get a drug approved, if you're a pharmaceutical company, I get my drug all the way through these stages, and I get it approved. I get it approved for an indication, right? That's your label. So if my indication is the treatment of depression, for Lexapro, right? Mm-hmm. I can only market it, but as a doctor, I could prescribe it, you know, for other things, right? Mm-hmm. But how do I get my indication? The way I get it is, remember the protocol we talked about, the Pfizer Pro. Okay, remember, if you, if some of you may remember, months ago they said, well, what are we studying? How do you get ninety-five percent efficacy, right? They said they were studying. Oh, you can still get it, but we're we're testing for less severe symptoms. Remember? And the second thing was fewer hospitalizations. Well, then that's your primary endpoint. That's what we call the primary endpoint in the protocol. You can have millions of secondaries, but it doesn't matter. If you don't meet your primary endpoint, you're out. Your drug doesn't get approved under normal times. Okay. Right. Right. When this drug was approved and Kamarnati's package insert came out and you'll see it when you download it. The indication blew my mind. The indication said Comirnaty is approved, watch this, for the prevention of COVID-19. That is illegal. That was never in their primary endpoint. That was not what was studied. And they don't get to get an indication to prevent something worldwide that they never showed proof in their trials. By the way, their trial is... They should never have had a drug approval when they haven't even finished their own protocol. Remember phase one, two, and three, they haven't finished their study. They won't finish it till 2023. So I want to warn people on record. If you've taken these, if you've taken the two shot series, don't take any boosters. If you took one and you're waiting to take your second one, don't take the second one. And if you're on the fence at all, don't take anything. This is a priming project. The more you take, the more damage this will do. But let me, let me explain what's in these shots. Cause we know now we don't know everything. Fourth red flag company refuses and has not disclosed everything that's in it. Right. Stu Peters had Karen Kingston on his show. She's a former Pfizer analyst. She's in the business development group. She revealed all the receipts, the patents. When he asked her, is there graphene oxide, which is a toxic nanoparticle that forms the transporter, right, that in these injections, that carries the mRNA around, Mm -hmm. um, she said the reason that she said, yes, 100%, these shots contain graphene oxide. The reason it's not listed in any ingredients is because they got away with it. It's considered a trade secret and patents filings are public domain. So." She claimed that once it's approved, and it was like on August 23rd when it was approved, she said they have 14 days to disclose everything. Well, they haven't disclosed it yet, and I don't expect that they will. They've never responded with a press conference to the finding of the graphene oxide, to the toxicity, to any of these injuries they've never been compelled to. Why? Because they're under strict protection and they don't need to. But let me tell you what's in these shots. They're not vaccines. And there's no one shot that's safer than another. I get that question quite a bit. Uh, They all get you to the same place. A couple of them do it a little bit differently from the Pfizer and Moderna, which uses uh, an mRNA molecule that's wrapped in a lipid nanoparticle that is most likely comprised of graphene oxide. Remember, if I say to you it's nano, Mm -hmm. it's at the atomic level. You can't even see it without an electron microscope. Right. And I've been told by some scientists that there are probably 40, um, it was 40 trillion mRNA molecules that in one injection. Now think about that, this mRNA molecule and everything I'm saying is researchable on, online, is made, it's not anything that's ever been found in nature. It has been tested in animals. And when the animals get multiple doses, they die. They die within two weeks. So that's why they didn't go into animal studies for this particular series of injections because they knew they couldn't get past it. So this mRNA molecule is made from a computer generated chimeric construction. Chimeric means it's like a Frankenstein. There are multiple uh, pieces of it that the computer says put it together this way based on monkey macaque cell lines an aborted fetal cell line that's been in the genome bank for years uh and other maybe sources that we're not being told so so it's never been used in nature it's not organic it's never been seen in nature let's start there but it is a genetic direction or blueprint it gets into every cell in your body because you know you know the controversy oh it stays in the arm and then oh now we know it doesn't stay in the arm oops well, anything that's nano, doesn't matter where, where you inject it. Normally a, a large molecule, like a normal drug, uh, takes a lot of time to be absorbed into your from your muscle, into your system. Mm-hmm. Uh slower if you do it through the fat, like insulin, you squeeze the fat, it's you know, it's a sub Q we call it a sub Q injection. Mm-hmm. But these things, because of their nature, their nano nature, are almost immediately in your main compartment, which is your blood compartment. And that's why you've seen uh, presentations by Dr. Uh, Bakti, who's a a German um, just expert virology. He explains that it gets into your bloodstream immediately and it starts uh, directing your endothelium, the lining of your blood vessels to start producing billions and billions of spike proteins. And the spike protein is on on a coronavirus, which is an umbrella category for things like the common cold and other flus. They do have natural spike proteins. That's the pathogenic part of it that makes you sick. Well, remember, this is a this is this is a computer generated model of a of a genetic code that is telling your cells, gets into every cell in your body, and it tells your cells, it hijacks your internal cells machinery and tells it to make keep making over and over and over again these spike proteins. Now, these spike proteins can go all over your body, they're making people feel sick. Some people are tired. Some people are, you know, losing their mental faculties. Other people are less fortunate depending on the dose they're getting. And they're having myocarditis or they're having a stroke or they're having large blood clots. They can't breathe. Um, I'm just, I want everybody to understand. And you can watch this. I understand you're going to upload this later, Regan. So I've given you a lot of information. It's like going to a class. You can take some notes. And and I, I encourage you to verify a lot of the things I've said it's easily researchable. I encourage you not to take my word for, for everything point blank. I encourage you to, to, to challenge it and, and see for yourself because if you do, you'll never be the same again. And so my message is, um, I just want people to, I want, I want you first and foremost to protect babies and children We do have uh, proof now, scientific proof, that there is modification of your genetic material if you take these shots. And if you don't believe me, then you can take the words of the criminals themselves. That's a quote from Dr. David Martin. Go to the Moderna website. They actually brag about the fact that this is a, in their words, not mine, a gene-modifying therapy, right? A gene-modifying therapy. Not my words the injection manufacturer. And they brag. They, they'd say that it's all new technology. They're going to reset. You're like an operating system to them. And they're, and they're going to cure all your diseases when in fact what they're doing with a computer generated chimeric molecule uh, that's really based off of, by the way, for those of you who are maybe more scientifically nerdy like me, it's based on a, it's a facsimile of a protein sequence from what is supposedly a SARS-CoV-2 virus, and if you want to, if you believe that from the Chinese Wuhan lab that uploaded that sequence into the World Genome Bank a year and a half ago, um, I've got a bridge in Brooklyn, you know, that I'd love to talk to you about. So, lots going on here. All I can say to you is, hashtag Just Wait. So, so with that, I, you're
1: just. Le- this is perfect. You're leading me into the the next burning question I have. You're truly one of the most sought out, brilliant doctors on this topic. People are just like, oh my gosh, she, people need to listen to this, she's brilliant. Um, with the Just weight, what do you, given knowing the ingredients, given the, the trials um, of what we know so far, what do you foresee we're going to be seeing in the next few years? of of the vaccinated?
2: Well, for those that have already taken it, that's why I say, you know, I want to be a little hopeful, just don't take any more um, of anything. Um, but for those who've taken it, they're, they're, we don't know. We, we don't, you know, the company is so withholding, right? There's very little short term. It's what we're seeing in what we call, I'm a health economist as well, uh, published. Um, it's what we're, we call, it's a very common phrase in health, Um, health economics, um, real world evidence is when the drug gets into real world usage, you start to get observational feedback. And of course that's what the VAERS database is. Uh, We know there are many other databases Um, And and without getting too much into the weeds of the the VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, which sits inside the CDC, and they've messed with it, we've watched in real time, they throttle numbers all the time. And we have the Harvard Pilgrim study that found, it was an NIH study, that found that, um, this is their quote, less than 1% of all vaccine adverse events are reported to VAERS. It's self-reporting, most lay people don't know about it. Uh, Doctors and nurses and other healthcare providers are obligated to report to it, but they're not. But even with all those limitations, right? The throttling, the cheating, the not reporting, we still have almost 15,000 deaths in the United States reported in VAERS. Um, We have a huge myocarditis, heart inflammation, and sudden cardiac death in young people. And as if Pfizer gets this expanded, the expansion of the EUA down to two to two 11 year olds, God help us, um, because I don't know what we're going to see. There are lots of predictions and projections from scientists who feel that um, those who've taken these injections are going to see maybe if, if Dr. Zelenko says There's an immediate period of people have blood clots and strokes and heart attacks and they pass away or they're severely ill. Then there's a second dangerous period of two to three months. Those are more the autoimmune um, immunological uh, diseases, maybe Guillain-Barre, the sort of neuro damage. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he said there's the third phase, which is going to be like, you know, 12, 18, 24, 36 month kind of as that rolls out. And that we haven't seen anything of yet, Um, but he's predicting that that will be those people who've been accumulating lots of the spike protein damage. Um, Nobody knows, I'll be honest, uh, if the mRNA code turns off. Uh, We don't know if the spike protein production ever stops or if it goes down or changes. So these doctors are going, oh, it's only dangerous for the first two weeks. Well, you won't hear me saying that until I see some science to back it up. So I'm a very honest, open scientist, if I don't know it, and I don't see any science yet behind it, I'll say to you, nobody really knows. So um, we just don't know. And that that's the danger of pushing something out before you've done the due diligence of the long-term studies. And even if they had done the animal studies for three, four, five years, this would have played out. It would have stopped it in its tracks. But they knew that. Remember, you don't put billions of dollars with really some sick but brilliant minds to develop what what we're seeing without knowing what you're doing. Right. That's just my opinion. I know what the sausage making is like internally. I know how expensive it is. I know what resources are used internally and in, in terms of developing the data, analyzing it, every which way, um, throwing it back, adding more. Uh, you don't put all that effort into something I, I personally think if, if you're not part of some kind of really awful plan to hurt people.
1: And I know with the media, just it's just fear driven, right? Um, you're not seeing any, we just interviewed a girl last night um, who went viral for uh, after she got her second dose and um, was going through the most horrific Um, symptoms she was she couldn't even open her and close her fist she couldn't walk she was numb over half of her entire body doctors were simply dismissing her um, told her it was psychosis she was making it all up she was having inflammation in one of her legs going through all of these symptoms and when her mom um, released a video they had tens of thousands of people reaching out who were silently suffering Mm. post injections. And so we have this group of hundreds of thousands of people around the globe who are silently suffering, who are Mm. being dismissed that it's not because of your vaccine, you know, otherwise extremely healthy individuals in amazing shape who are having these serious injuries who are being completely dismissed. Um, who are some of them, not all, some of them are you know scared. Do I you know, what happens if I do get COVID or they've already had COVID, who are thinking of, of taking this booster? So with this booster, you know, as, as we start to wrap here, do you think this is going to be one of those things pushed like the flu shot? You know, they told us at first we wouldn't have a booster. And now to become fully vaccinated, you have to get your booster or you're not fully vaccinated. So can you speak on that? Do you think this is going to be pushed
2: every six months or every year? Yeah, it's in their protocol, of (sighs) course. And that should be your fifth red flag. I've given you five red flags. Your fifth red flag is when this came out, they told you it was 95 percent effective, right? First of all, I knew it wasn't. Uh, I knew that was fake because of the type of analyses they claimed they used, But they said it was, what I'm saying to you is the red flag is proof that they're lying to you. They know it wasn't 95% effective because it's not a vaccine. It's a poison. And secondly, if, if they told you and you believed them that it was 95% effective, why do you need six month boosters? I've never seen a six month booster for anything ever in my medical career. Red flag, red flag, red flag right? Uh, and so this whole, now this, the latest term, you know, we had cases, we have variants. I, I did a whole vocabulary thing on it. Now we have um, fully vaccinated, another moving target. You're, oh, you're fully, oh, you're not fully anymore over here. Um, there's there's some breaking news I'm obligated to hold off and break it on Stu Peters today. But I want everybody to watch the show because I'm going to break something that just came out in the last 24 hours about this whole idea about fully vaccinated, the boosters and what's happening and what's really behind it. So I want to leave you with a warning, you know, before we don't have to go this minute, but pretty soon. But when I I want to leave you with this warning, if you heard nothing else this morning today, I want you to remember, just wait Hold off, especially for children and babies. Right, the um, the the, all, the 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 numbers that have been reported that they the CDC is allowing you to see f- that we know of, and it's probably many more than this. Fourteen children, twelve to fourteen years of age, have died. Previously healthy, no comorbidity. You can look it up in the MMWR Morbidity Mortality Weekly Report, part of CDC. And as of the end of July, 14 children are dead, mostly from cardiac, a couple of blood clots and brain bleeds, previously healthy children. You may say, oh, Dr. Ruby, 14 out of, you know, maybe 100,000 or what, if it's not your kid, if it's not your kid, maybe that's a small number. To me, one is too many. One is too many. Yes. From this.
1: It's, it's scary times. And I'm just like, you're, you know, encouraging people. I just wish people would do their due diligence. You know, they're just, they're not even allowed to yeah. ask their doctors questions. What's in yeah. it? Well, it doesn't matter. Just get it. Be, do this for your neighbor, for, for yeah. the greater good. That's what people are being told. They're not being told the ingredients. They're not being told possible side effects. They're not allowed to ask. Just do it. Just roll yeah. up and, leave and do it from our, 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 our fearless leader. We're being told that, you know, he's losing his patience.
2: that, you know, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is that he's losing his patience with the people? I mean, it's it's mind boggling, but let me leave the audience with something constructive. You know the truth now, if you want to take it and use it. Where do I start, Dr. Ruby? You start right where you are, right where you are. That's not hyperbole you start in your family you start in your neighbors you find who's like minded you find i don't want to hear the negatives oh half my neighbors are liberal they don't they, talk, they all talk. okay me too but you want to give me reasons it won't work or you want to give me reasons why it will work start small get these school boards get these county commissions get these town councils off your neck you start there you threat you tell them you politely you know, you peacefully threaten them. Like technically, you get you get a quorum. You get rid of them. You you challenge them. You push back on them. You join these moms that are struggling. They're worried about the you know the toxic masks and everything. But join them for the larger purpose. Even if you don't have a kid in in school or anything, um, you start locally. You protect. You you barrier your neighborhoods. You. You create plans for that. How are we going to support each other? You know, I'm a medical person. I'll help people in the community, in my neighborhood. You know, uh, if we if we can't go to a hospital, I'll do the best I can to help keep them from getting infections or injured further or whatever. Somebody else is a carpenter or an electrician. They can help in the neighborhood. And we all do that to sustain ourselves till we get through this. We will get through this, but we have to have, you know, a plan for self-sustaining for when they shut down. You know, you can't come in these places without a you know a vaccine passport okay well i don't need those places because i work with a farmer you know 10 miles away and i'm working with my neighbors and we're going to sustain ourselves you know till this thing gets sorted out there are a lot of things you can do and there are a lot of people trying to do these things so you search for them on i'm on telegram because i got permanently banned from um twitter twice so i'm done they've nailed my IP address second but I'm, I'm on I'm telegram really pushing a lot of great stuff out when I see people putting together these kinds of you know uh, things are people are putting together you know like websites where you can go to in your area to find jobs um, where they don't demand the shot Isn't that a great thing, right? That's the beginning of pooling together to protect each other. Uh, You might not make the same amount of money as you did before. I left the pharma industry. You know, I was when you were doing my intro, I wanted to say former, but you know. I, I left it about six months ago because I was with a small company that you know, really wasn't doing anything that I could see that was nefarious. But I, I thought to myself, hey, I don't wanna work in an industry that's even part of this. I mean, this thing has to be dismantled and rebuilt or whatever. So I, I left a job. Um, you know, a full time job with benefits. And I'm not crying the blues. I'm saying I can sleep at night. You know, I I can, you know, I can I'm working with friends and neighbors and we're all keeping each other going. But you too can can all do that because it's not enough to just be shocked and appalled and down from everything I've shared with you. You know, the good news is you have you have Resources You have love of family and friends. You have you have ideas. You got to put them together and you got to prepare to protect yourselves because uh, it probably will get a little bit darker before it gets better. Um, but I, I do believe it will. We will get through this
1: especially with advocates like you. And so, um, you know, as we wrap, I just want to. So the two best places for people to find you, because everybody is just going to be, you know, I can't get enough of her and I need to know more. And uh,
2: Telegram and you're on Instagram as well. I'm on Instagram and I try to like do the, you know, I I do the catch up, but, but the majority of the stories, you know, and and there's a lot of good information now. Telegram to me is becoming very viable, very big. A lot of the people that I looked to and and I communicated with and shared their information from Twitter are now on the Telegram. It's a little bit different format. uh, But again, you know, you got to embrace change. And if that's where a lot of the good information is exchanging, and they've taken a lot of great people off of Twitter. So, you know, I mean, I don't say dump it, um, I mean, but I think I think Telegram's, you know, up and coming. Instagram, yes, but I probably put 10% on Instagram of what I have on Telegram any, any day, you know. Because there's still such
1: insane censorship on Facebook and Instagram. No. And so Telegram is the best place to find you. So um, as soon as we wrap, I'm going to share that link beneath this video. Um, and then do tell us, what time are you breaking some news on the Stu Peters show today? Yeah,
2: we tape the show uh, okay. because he tapes a collection of guests and things like that. So it will be uploaded. It's it's never live uh, right now, um, but it will be uploaded probably by five o'clock. Watch my telegram, watch Stu Peters' telegram, um, and then you'll see it uploaded. And then, you know, we'd appreciate it if you... If you if you um, think you're getting a lot of, of this kind of information that's valuable, like Reagan Show, and anything I put out on Telegram, um, share it. It's it's not about the clicks and the likes and all that, you know and. It's not about that anymore. Right now, it's about getting the word out to as many people as possible. And I really think this is divinely inspired because I don't think I would have had this much of a voice and be connected with with people like you, Regan, if it wasn't for, you know, that seriously God opening these doors, because he kind of through a mutual friend brought me together with Stu in March. And we never knew this thing would take off. Uh, But but it, it really has. And I'm just thanking God for it and just hoping we you know prevent a lot of children and babies from getting this because they're they're not going to live a normal lifespan or and they're and they're going to suffer. They're going to suffer. So please hold off. Yes.
1: And and that's, you know, my business partner Abby Johnson and I, that is what we are doing. We know we're going to have to answer to God someday for we have this huge platform. We have all of these resources and I know for one I wouldn't be able to sleep at night not sharing people like you the the messages we're getting and so we are so grateful for you you are one of the most bold and brilliant doctors out there right now truly and um we're so grateful to you so thank you so much thank you it's great to be here
2: i hope i hope it helps
1: yes and so um follow dr jane ruby on telegram and we will be sharing in the comments below um Where you can find her. So thank you again for joining us. Appreciate you.
2: Thanks, everybody.
1: Have a
0: great day. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can stay up to date with what we're doing at therealdealofparenting.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. Thanks for spending your time with us. Let's talk soon.